I'm sales team turnaround specialist, Jeremy DeMerchant. And each week I bring sales leaders like you, experts and insights that will help you level up your leadership, motivate like a master, and ultimately crush your comp plan. If it's time to raise the bar on your team's performance, then it's time for Sales Team Rescue. Welcome, welcome, welcome to Sales Team Rescue. I am your host, Jeremy DeMerchant, and today we have another special guest. Now, Bob Howard is the founder and president of Contact Science. Contact Science specializes in helping companies design, implement, and manage appointment setting programs. Bob, thanks so much for joining us on Sales Team Rescue. Hey, Jeremy. Thanks for having me. Uh, I'm really excited because um, the space that you specialize in is not the space that I love to work in, quite transparently. Um, prospecting is so vital for, for people's business, and your software, Contact Science, really helps people turn prospecting into a process. And, and we're going to get into that. But before we do, tell us a little bit about how you found yourself here running a company uh, a software company focusing on, you know, outbound prospecting. On outbound prospecting. So uh, about 15 years ago, uh, developed a product to help salespeople communicate better. Mm -hmm. And we installed it in five different companies uh, and uh, it failed in every single company. <laughs> so when we went and did the postmortems and interviewed the reps, what we really discovered was that it wasn't really the tools that help you communicate. It wasn't any of that. It was the fact that it was just difficult to do. Uh, I provided them just one more nice tool, but it was a difficult to fit into what it, what it was that they were trying to do during the day. So based on that analysis, we discovered that telephone prospecting actually is a business process. And as, as a process, you begin to view the world differently. So we, retool the product and we made it more of a process approach to helping you set appointments, primarily the, the difficult task of generating conversations. So we, we were born out of failure, actually. <laughs> well, you know, so we, got it right, we got it right the second time. <laughs> good. You didn't have to go to the third time's a charm. It's good. Second time. That's right. We didn't. So Love good it. for us. So, so walk me through, um, one, what, what was that main pain point or what is that main point that you see um, in your clients now? And how does contact science really um, help solve that? You know, if you asked sales managers to describe the best appointment setter they've ever had work for them, in the sentence that they use, they would probably use the word organized. Because if, if you're not organized in telephone prospecting, it is just the most painful, confusing uh, work that you can ever do. So what we began to do as part of the process approach is say, well, how can we keep people organized in order to do it correctly? That was the second piece. Uh, I can be organized, but I can actually be doing it incorrectly. I could be following a plan of how I'm using my dials and using voicemails and emails, et cetera. I could be doing it all wrong. So it was a combination of two things. Let's figure out the best way to do it. And then let's help make salespeople uh, follow it and as easily as possible. And that really turned out to be the secret to our success was ease of operation. Mm. You know, I hear all the time uh, companies trying to implement a new CRM or some kind of technology. And it sounds great from the get go, but adoption is so, um, so much of a struggle because salespeople, uh, appointment setters, like we have superpowers, but our superpowers are. <laughs> 
either having conversations if you're you know, a closer or an account manager and building that relationship, or if you're an appointment center, like getting in um, and and creating that initial uh, that hook to get someone's interest. But we don't typically. Now, this isn't you know universal, but in my experience, people that have those two skills normally are not the most administrative people. And for me, yeah, that's true. Yeah, I, I'm I'm a huge fan of when I can have a call recorded. When I get I, like I've got um, a, a system that I use uh, kind of with a, a client where I can actually leave a voice note in the CRM. I don't even have to type it. That's so how anti-admin I am. Um, so I, I love that the focus and and the the success was based on the ease of use. Yeah, well, you know the CRM is an interesting beast. A lot of people believe, believe that CRMs are kind of like the Swiss Army knife. <laughs> uh, you get a CRM, you can do anything with it. Uh, and when we were rebuilding our product, you know, this, our second try, we actually went and looked at CRMs to see if maybe we could take a CRM and do what it is that we wanted to do. And I think just the bottom line, what our findings were, and I think studies have borne this out, is that salespeople a lot of times view CRMs as really a tool to give management reports. So all the work that they sit in and do in CRMs, they don't view it as valuable to them. What they're viewing it as is a way that management can now, you know, exercise some oversight. In other words, it doesn't add value to their day. It doesn't add value to their job. It's actually, in some cases, a hindrance. And that's why CRM adoption is so low. So that became another design point was that if we're going to build a piece of software, you know, let's build one that actually adds value. That someone says, hey, I'll sit down in front of this thing and use it because this helps me. Right. So. We, we, we go to great pains to let people know we are not a CRM. We never wanted to be, never strived to be. Uh, matter of fact, we don't, we don't like to be painted with brush, that CRM brush, right. if you would. No, and, and I think that's, that's really important because um, now in, we're recording this in November of 2020, uh, CRM is a term that's used to describe so many things that are not what an actual CRM, a client relationship management system, truly is. And we've got all these crossbreeds and all-in-one solutions. But I, I love that with contact science, you're like, no, no, that's not us. We're, we're not here for that. We are here to help you book appointments more effectively by mapping it out through a process and just consistently following that process. Yeah, let you operate the process. We view ourselves actually as a front end to a CRM. For instance, we, we interface into Salesforce and Zoho and uh, some of these custom CRMs. Uh, also, some marketing tools, Infusionsoft, HubSpot, SharpSpring. But the, the idea is that we are such a different part of the sales cycle that what you really want is the successes in our system to flow into a CRM, um, mm-hmm. filling that pipeline. That's the idea. Gotcha. So I'm going to take our, our conversation a little bit of a different direction because, sure. because you live in this space. You eat, sleep, and breathe this space. Um, I want to get a little bit behind the scenes and, and based on, you know, the years that you've spent um, providing this service, helping implement, uh, have you found a specific type of personality or recurring personality traits that make a successful appointment center? You know, the only thing that we see that a successful appointment centers have in common is they're not afraid of the telephone. You know, they, they like talking to people. They're happy to pick up the phone, talk to gatekeepers, talk to decision makers. Uh, so they don't have that fear of uh, 
uh, talking to someone that might say no to them. But if you're not afraid of the telephone, you could become a really good uh, appointment setter. I think the other one, the second one, is a realization that the skills that you use when you're on the phone talking to a decision maker trying to set an appointment is a different set of skills than those that you use when you run the appointment. Mm -hmm. Running the appointment is where all the money is. You know, that's if you do a good job of running the appointment, they go in the pipeline, you work into the pipeline. That's where you get your commission check. Uh, But the skills that you use to do that are almost counterproductive to the skills that it takes to set the appointment. It's a totally different environment. And uh, once reps realize that they need a separate skill, separate, separate approach, they're much more successful. I love that because I, I know a lot of people and I work with um, uh, the companies of different sizes. Some are really small launching the first sales team. Some have a sales team and just want to make it better. But one thing that I see a lot of people start with is they want one person that can do it all. They want the unicorn sales rep that can go out and prospect, that can book the appointments, that can close the appointments, that can become the account manager, maintain the relationship long-term. And I believe a single person can do that. I don't think that single person can do all those functions well. You know, I think the, 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 the problem with the, you know, the single person doing it all, they do exist. And we, we work with a lot of them. When management hires a sales rep, they're looking for the sales rep that has skills of running those meetings, getting people in the pipeline, draining the pipeline with new customers. And they assume, or what we call hope, that uh, they know how to put people into the pipeline. So we we always like to say that telephone prospecting, success at telephone prospecting is really a manager's game. And the first thing that managers have to get over is being hooked on hopium. Hopium meaning I've hired a guy. I just hope he knows how to do that first part because I've really hired him based on his skills to do the second part. And uh, that's where we see a lot of failure is management doesn't really uh, they don't fully understand that they have accountability to success in appointment setting. Also, it's not just the rep. They probably have more accountability to the success than the rep themselves. Now, from what you've seen in in all years, all your years doing this, do you feel like there's it's more successful to have those roles divided out or can it be just as successful with a single person as long as you are clear that they do have the skill set for both functions it can be just as successful okay i think the issue sometimes for a lot of companies is is it the best and highest use of the rep's time mm-hmm. uh some uh, some companies have very highly technical products it's uh it's a very complex sale uh, it requires a lot of effort to do it correctly and the amount of time then spent on telephone prospecting, a lot of cases when you weigh them out, say, you know what, that, this guy is so valuable doing this part, I probably ought to get someone to help him and set appointments for him, to help him do that first part. But for a lot of companies, you know, the, the, the sales rep can set their own appointments, be very successful, and have uh, very long and profitable careers setting their own appointments. Got it. Yeah, I, I know I, I've got uh, friends that work at like IBM and, you know, those big tech companies. And often there'll be uh, a sales rep that'll book the appointment um, and kind of initiate that relationship. And then after a little mm-hmm. bit of qualifying, they say, now um, you're going to meet with myself and the technical whatever to talk about all the specs because the people booking those initial meetings 
they don't need to know all the ins and outs. They have a, enough confidence in the product. They know it'll work, but the questions that they often get will be somebody more technical. So um, yeah, I think that's a really good thing to, to highlight that it is a completely different skill set when you're getting into the, the nitty gritty, if it's very industry specific. Yeah. You know, the, the uh, other thing I think up on this particular issue is that no field rep, if you went and asked them to say, Hey, listen, what if we get someone to set appointments for you, you would say no. <laughs> they would always like, Oh, sure. Let's do this. Uh, but a lot of, a lot of times the, uh, that's really not the case. Management has to really look to see if the cost involved in an appointment setter can really be offset by setting more appointments for that particular style of product. Hmm. And to your other point about the appointment setters, you know, you don't really have to know a lot about your product in order to set appointments because the skill set that you learn in almost any skills trainer out there will tell you it's all about a conversation that convinces someone there's real value to meet with someone else, whether it be me or uh, a specialist. There's real value to your company. You're going to learn something. You're going to discover some things that might help your business. We don't talk about features and benefits setting appointments. We talk about value. And as a matter of fact, if you someone said, well, listen, tell me about uh, how your widget does this. Uh, appointment setters are trained to say, you know, that's a great question. Widgets do a lot of things. But that may be a good reason for us to get together to understand from a specialist how our widget could actually be the most valuable to you. So they deflect these questions about products uh, specifics and use that as a way to set the appointment. Awesome. It's a good training ground a lot of times for field reps. You set appointments for a product for a while, talk about value, then you may be uh, staged or teed up to be a good field rep. Mm. I've, I've heard uh, some people talk about how um, it's it's easier to train someone from appointment setter into a sales rep role than it is to have a sales rep who is just doing meetings to say, oh, by the way, now you got to go and book your own appointments. Yeah. <laughs> Absolutely. We, we see that every day. We There's a little bit of day. ego on the sales side. Um, it is. Yeah. It is. Yeah. Sometimes I view, you know, appointment setting is kind of beneath them. You know, yeah. that's, I shouldn't have to do that. I'm a superstar. Right. Well, guess what? The way you get to be a superstar is you fill that pipeline and then get those names uh, out of the pipeline and filling the pipeline. Sometimes that's just your job. Yeah, you know, exactly. Now let's go back to talking about prospecting as a process because that's your baby. So uh, for all our our listeners, our viewers, people watching live um, or listening to the podcast, what can you share with them? that can kind of get them started on looking at that prospecting component of their business as a process and less as um, I'm just going to go out and do some quick outreach and see if I can find someone to talk to. So, you know, the, when you look at any business process, the, the secret to the process starts with management sitting down and analyzing what it is they want done, how they want that done. And in an appointment setting, management is basically designing how they want their dials used. You know, if I commit to you that I'm going to do 100 dials a day or 100 dials a week, that is the resource that management then could expect me to deliver. And management needs to tell me, how should you use those dials? You know, if I make 5,000 dials a year, they don't want me to call one guy 5,000 times or 5,000 people once. There, there's some, some pattern uh, of using those dials is important. Now, so once they decide this, then management says, well, if you don't get them on the phone, we'd like to do a little branding. We'd like to imprint ourselves. So here's a message that you ought to deliver. And if you have their email address, here's an email that you ought to send in the follow-up. So management has a very specific way 
that they can create that says this will make you the most successful you can possibly be in using your dials to set appointments. It's a manager's game at the end of the day. So from a process point of view, then you can control all of that. You know, callers can sit down and say, okay, well, if this is my plan, I can execute this plan, maybe. <laughs> it's my software helps them. But the idea is that they know exactly what steps to take. Every process has a set of steps, and you have an, ex- uh, an expected uh, set of outcomes. So as a process, you can specify what you want done, and then every good process can be measured. So you monitor what they're doing, you measure the activities, you analyze those activities, you look to see where they're weak, where they're strong, and then you work on remedies. Again, it's a manager's game. You know, this is a valuable resource for me. Let me do everything I can to get the most out of it, including at the end, analyze the numbers, see where we might be able to improve performance. Everybody wants callers to succeed and managers should be the biggest cheerleaders, but they do have accountability to uh, success of the caller. But anyway, that's kind of why it's a process. It's just like any other business process that you have. You got to design it, make sure it can be operated and then measure the results. And then after measuring the results, do you, do you find um, that when someone goes back to optimize or improve, is it more often training the rep more effectively or, or I guess appointment center, um, or is it often looking at the process or this in the script and things like that and tweaking those? Is there uh, And does it depend on maybe the age of the company or how experienced they are with it? I would say as a general statement, the skill set of the rep is the most difficult part of the process and also the one with the longest learning curve because it is a selling skill. I mean, it's a sales, it's a conversational skill, but it is a selling skill. When you design your process, uh, there's software out there, you know, mine, for instance, I can make you as efficient as you're ever going to be in two weeks. It just doesn't take long, and we can tweak that if it needs to be tweaked. Uh, but usually the, the bigger challenge is, is the skill of the rep, making sure that they understand how the conversation should flow, listening to their recordings, pointing out where maybe they're not on mark as it relates to the skill sets. Uh, but that's not to say that you can't look and maybe find that your list is uh, questionable. Maybe that you analyze your list and find that one niche is being much more responsive to your messages than another niche is. So maybe you want to heavy up on following that niche. Mm-hmm. Uh, you can do A and B testing in, in your cadences and see which one works. So you can always tweak that efficiency piece. Mm-hmm. But uh, what we generally find is the, the more skills training the rep has, the better the coaching, then better the overall program is going to be. Now, this is the area actually that contact science makes people's lives easier, right? Because I, mm-hmm. when we went through it, what I loved, and I don't want to like give it all away, but I mean, you know, for, for lack of being able to visually show everybody everything here, um, one of the things that stood out to me, not only was it super easy to go through and reach out to a lot of people very quickly, but I love the fact that you can have like frameworks and scripts pop up along with the person's information. So tell us a little bit about how, like, what inspired you to, to build that in and, and how that makes people's lives easier? When you look at the, uh, the process of prospecting, uh, the kind of the elements that are important for reps to be able to access are, you know, the phone number to dial. So you want to be able to click to dial. Uh, if they don't get someone on the phone, what is the right voicemail to leave at this step in the process? So we say, well, let's pop that up. Let them see which one it is. 
what email should be sent. Well, let's already build that in. So they send the email uh, as easily as they possibly can. So over you know the last 15 years, uh, our, our users have come to us and said, hey, you want to make my life easier? Let me have this feature. And we build on that feature. So over time, people that use it that really are interested in uh, making the best and highest use of, uh, of their time and of their dials have just fed us all this good information. It's not like we were geniuses. We just got the ball. We just got it started. And then the, the users helped us push it up the hill. Well, I, I think that's the genius part of it, though, is that you weren't trying to figure it all out. You were letting people tell you what they want. Right? And hey, we thought we built the first one was perfect. <laughs> we were... <laughs> It wasn't that perfect, but it was it was it was heading in the right direction. You know, we 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 got the basics correct, yeah. and then over time, uh, users have uh, encouraged us to to uh, trick it out. And uh, so it's, it's fifteen years of tricking out what was originally a just pretty basic idea. Mm-hmm. So we love so, our users. Yeah. Well, so tell me. Um, with 2021 coming up, and when somebody's watching the replay or listening to the podcast, it very well already may be 2021. Um, right now, a lot of people are working from home. How important is it for a business to have this this outreach strategy um, as a process that's set up in their business? You know, we when we meet with companies, we talk to companies about the idea that every company should have a process that that can proactively grow their business. And that's what outbound appointment setting is. It's a proactive uh, exercise. You pick up the phone, you call out. Now you can be calling names that maybe marketing has found you because they are good leads or they're a good list, or uh, maybe through their email tools, they say, well, these guys are opening the emails, clicking on the links, call them. Uh, So, but every company needs a process uh, that's going to grow their business proactively. Now, once they have that, then who sits in front of it? They can decide. You know, we have some companies where the owners actually sit down and make the calls for the first few months just to make sure they understand what they're going to ask someone else to do. And they'll get part-time people. Sometimes they get a full-time caller. In many cases, it's their sales reps. They have their sales reps operated. But the process is an independent entity. You know, that's part of your business. And then who goes over through that process and turns the crank? That's kind of up to you. You decide. So I would say if you don't have a process, then that's the first thing you ought to do. Sit down and see if it makes sense. You know, we do work with companies sometimes that the process approach for appointment setting might not be the right idea for them. Uh, For the most part, though, almost everyone that we meet with, we could sit down and talk about what's the right way to use a dial to try to get someone's attention, have a conversation and then convert that conversation into an appointment. But every company needs one. If you don't have it, you really need it now because the telephone with the pandemic is pretty much, you know, the only arrow left in your quiver. Yeah. And, uh, yeah. And you, you can't get no one is going to accidentally answer a Zoom call, you know, right. a video call, right? You know, so, that's right. That doesn't happen. No. So I think that the phone is so much more important now than it was even, you know, 12 months ago. So, you know, I, I think it's extremely valuable. Now, Bob, I want to dive into what I think is the, the most fun part of the show, which is the lightning round. <laughs> okay. okay. So I'm going to hit I you. I hope with- I agree with you after the lightning round. It's <laughs> the most fun part of the show. You, you, you might be the most uncomfortable. No, I'm just kidding. Okay. Uh, so, Bob, we all know coffee's for closers. Mm-hmm. What is your favorite coffee or comparable drink? So uh, I love a coffee called Community 
coffee. It's uh, a Louisiana brand. Uh, my in-laws were from Louisiana, and so they introduced me to community coffee, and uh, I can't live without it. You know, I, I may have actually tried that. I was in Louisiana. I was in New Orleans. Um, actually, two years ago this time, actually. And uh, there's some good coffee in that city. There's some real good coffee. Yep. So you, you might have had it all already. I might have. I'm going to have to go digging, though. Maybe we'll, uh, we'll get <laughs> some more to try and make sure. Um, so, Bob, what is a book or a movie that you would recommend to someone who really wants to improve their their sales, whether it's their, their prospecting, their outreach strategy, their mindset? Is there a book or a movie that stands out and you just think, this is something that really makes a message land? Uh, well, you know, I think the, the movie that most people associate with uh, telephone prospecting is uh, Glenn Gary, Glenn Ross. Mm-hmm. And I would tell you, you can watch that to learn all the wrong things to do, all the, the bad attitudes they have. It's, it's horrible. But it is amusing in uh, kind of the, uh, uh, the abject indirection, misdirection that they take. So I've, I've always in, and, and periodically I watch it just for that purpose. So I would say if I had to pick one movie that would teach you something not to do, I would I would pick that one. That would be the one. So awesome. I, I actually randomly watch Boiler Room for the same thing on the sales side. They they do yeah, a lot of good things, but the, the what goes on behind it is not at all. I think you should be doing. And, and I, I think those kind of movies give appointment setting a bad name. I, I think that's uh, that's uh, you know part of the baggage that uh, cold calling carries around with it. Is guys, look at these guys. I don't want to be like them. Yeah. Well, yeah. yeah. In, in sales in general, I see that all the time. You've got it, you know, the back of their mind that, you know, whether it's a memory of, uh, I'll say a vacuum cleaner salesman or an encyclopedia salesman, let's do that. Encyclopedia salesman walks up and, you know, jams their foot in the door and it like traumatizes them for life, whether their parents bought or not, it doesn't matter. And, and so that stigma still sticks around, but um, you and I both know that if you're doing it in a not so above board way, you're not going to last. Yeah, and, you know, it, and, and really a professional appointment setters or salespeople that do it as part of living and they do take skills training, they realize early on that you can't be confrontational with someone you don't know on the phone and win. And you really do have to come across as someone that wants to seriously add value perhaps to how their businesses operate. So that, that sincerity has to come across, that empathy has to come through on those phone calls. And and I think it makes the job a lot easier when you realize that you aren't trying to trick someone into setting an appointment with you. There's there's not a bunch of techniques you're going to use where they just surrender. You know, it, that, not, that doesn't work for you. But to really be someone that's uh, genuinely interested in sharing something and wanting them to understand what it is, even though some people you call aren't very nice about it, that's OK. You feel a lot better about yourself. And then the uh, conversations you have and the appointments that you set typically go uh, a lot better. The conversations, are, I mean, the appointments are a lot stronger. Got it. Yeah, the, completely. Um, next question. What, uh, who is someone that has been a mentor in your life? Well, you know, interesting that I think the guy that did the, uh, uh, was the most useful to me in my life was actually a job I had in college. Uh, I was fortunate enough to work for a gentleman that ran a business and I was, you know, a college job and, but he really, you know, wanted to show me how businesses run. And so I think he 
educated me on the ins and outs of businesses to the point where I came away understanding that there's a lot of things that have to go right to be successful. And if you're going to manage a business, you have to be able to deal with all these different personalities and these different processes and uh, uh, not let uh, maybe your true feelings show through when you're irritated. So I've always taken away. I I took uh, that away and I thought that was uh, something that stayed with me for a long time. Uh, the second one was probably my uh, uh, one of my sales managers I had when I was in corporate America, and uh, he had a terrific way of getting his sales reps, me included, uh, to sit down at a sales meeting and tell him what you're absolutely pathetic at and what you were doing wrong and, and admitting to him that you needed help. And then he was always willing to help, but he, he didn't believe in analyzing people uh, he believed that people could actually analyze themselves if given the metrics to do the analyzation and could come to him and say, hey, listen, this, this is really where I'm not doing too well. Let me let me just be honest with you. And he would take that. He would run with that. He would help you with that. And I always thought that's a great way to to view whatever job that you have is being willing to sit down and take a look at yourself the way that your boss would and self-analyze and uh, come up with what you think is going to be the way that you can best go forward. So I've always liked those two lessons. Yeah, no, I, I think especially that the second one I think is is great because if you can teach your your team how to how to assess themselves, they can get better without you being there. Right. It just creates yes. it, right. So I, I, yeah, so so impactful. Almost the last question. What is the most how do I want you, how do I want to say this? What, what would you say is the strangest thing that you do in your daily routine to keep you on your game? Uh, the most fun part of my job that I think actually helps keep me on my game is to do reviews with new customers to teach them the reports and to show them how they can use a simple report and they can analyze what their performance is. And the reason I like that is because every company is a little bit different, you know, no matter how similar we may think we are in our processes, uh, w- there are differences and we view the world differently. And so it always kind of keeps me aware of, even though telephone prospecting might be just a very straightforward process, and it is, might be fairly easy to measure, and it is. When you start to dig into a company and how they think and how they view the world, a lot of times the process then takes on their personality. And, I, I, and so I start to look for that. And I think that keeps me from just viewing everyone and all my customers. They're, they're all the same. You know, they're all cookie cutter and they, because they really aren't. And the way that you learn that is when you sit down and talk with them about how well has it gone this week? What can we do to make it better next week? Some of the things that I hear are uh, enlightening and uh, sometimes inspiring uh, even. But uh, I love it. Anyway, so that's where, that's also the most fun part of my job. It's, awesome. Awesome. Final question of the lightning round. Bob, how do you define success? In prospecting or personally? <laughs> Up to you. You can, you can answer however suits you. So, I, you know, I think uh, uh, the definition of success is probably that you, at the end of the day, feel good that you've done the best you can. Uh, you've looked at the, the outcome. You may wish the outcome was a little bit better. But you can look at it and say, you know what, I did my best here, and I think I know what I can do to improve it. So I think you're only successful uh, 
in a very fleeting moment, right? The success, uh, if it lasts for a long time, is because you're doing something every day to make it that way. And I think so when you look at success, you're really kind of looking at, am I doing everything I possibly can? Uh, and the successes that I've had, are there things that I can build on or change or tweak to make them even better? Um, and I think the same would go for looking at, you know, the people that you work with, even my partners, my employees, you know, some of the allies that I have. Uh, if I've worked on their behalf and I feel like then that they'll reciprocate to me. So if I don't think it's exactly paying it forward, but I do think there is a re- reciprocal nature to dealing with employees and partners and allies that uh, if you feel like you're doing a good job there and you haven't let a partner down, I don't know, call that a success. I would agree. That's awesome. Well, I want to make sure that everybody watching live, listening or watching the replay um, is sure to go to contactscience.com to check out this phenomenal prospecting process machine. Is it okay if I call it that? Is that, is that reasonable? Absolutely. Call it anything but a CRM. It's <laughs> a dirty three-letter word. That's right. We don't say that word. I love it. Um, Bob, thanks so much for being here. Uh, it was such a pleasure chatting with you. And, uh, you know, I, I know that what you do provides such value to business owners that I want everybody watching, listening to, to make sure they go check it out, contactscience.com. Um, and this has been another phenomenal episode of Sales Team Rescue. Ladies and gentlemen, thank you for joining us again today. If you want to catch this replay or replays of previous episodes, go to salesteamrescue.com. And if you would like to book your own sales team readiness call with yours truly, that link as well is at salesteamrescue.com. Bob, once again, thank you so much. And for those of you watching and listening, remember, get uncomfortable, get results. Cheers. Oh, and we will see you next week. Same bat time, same bat channel. I don't know if I can legally say that. Anyway, I'm saying it. Uh, say it anyway, Jeremy. Just right. Say it anyway. Wednesday, 2 p.m. Eastern, right here on Headspace TV. Have a great day, guys. Thanks for joining me. Let's keep the conversation going. You can find more episodes and a link to join our online community over at salesteamrescue.com. If you haven't already, be sure to hit subscribe and give the show a review to help us reach more sales leaders like you. If you'd like our support in creating your own high-performance sales team, book a call with us at salesteamrescue.com.